joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. And I'm Chris Hemke. And this is Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, we want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors right off the top today. Yep. Exergy Performance, XDP, Calibrated Power, Duramax Tuner, um, WC Fab. These guys keep the show going. You can support us by supporting them. Uh, so go check out their websites and see what they have to offer. Yeah, the holidays are coming up. You know, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. You know, when this video or, sorry, this podcast goes live, yeah. we're going to be a week away. Exactly. Yeah, so we, we are recording uh, the Thursday. We're recording a week before Thanksgiving. Um <laughs> there, there's a lot going on at the shop in our full-time jobs right now. Yep. So we're just going to give you guys a quick intro into one of our older episodes uh, that our amazing uh, super producer, Justin Tyson, is going to put together. By the way, big shout out to Justin. Ten years with the company. Ten years? That's crazy. Ten years. He's been podcast wow. editor, He's been everything. He's for, been everything for a hot minute now for five years. Yeah. Roughly four or five years, he was yeah. he was ex- shipper extraordinaire, shipper extraordinaire, tuner extraordinaire, yep, customer service tuning, uh, sales extraordinaire for a yeah, bit. He did he, those he things. Dabbled. I don't know if we're going to say extraordinaire. He dab- you know what? He, he's he here. can checklist that. <laughs> he's here with us. So he I has can more checklists than you or I. Oh, for sure, you for know? sure. He's had more jobs here than I've had. No bet. <laughs> What's crazy is is the amount of tenure in this office right now Ooh. with the company. That's insane. Oh, we are three of the four. Yes. Highest in seniority in the yeah. company. That is wild. Yeah. Wow, you're old. Yeah, I know. I know. Wow. You were a kid when you started. Uh, we um, all were. We all were. <laughs> at one point, man, we're all little tadpoles just swimming around trying to figure it out. That's it. Just yeah. trying to find somewhere to spend my money. Um, not Back a then problem it was anymore. payroll deduct. <laughs> Well, hey, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. You're likely going to get uh, a rebroadcast this week and next week, just knowing with the sale and the holidays coming up. Give you a heads up. Uh, I'm sure Justin's going to pick out something awesome for you guys. So thanks so much for listening uh, and enjoy. Chris, today we're going to dive into one of the topics that I think you and I have a lot of experience with, but right. maybe some of our newer listeners or some of the guys who are newer to the diesel performance game probably don't have quite as much exposure right. to. Tuning so. 101, man. You know, <laughs> tuning 101. You bought a diesel, yep. right? Uh, you've read or your buddies have told you or whoever, right? Someone in your paths being crossed have talked about tuning a truck. That's right. That's right. Um, but there's a lot of options. Well, yeah, and I think just tuning sounds great, right? Like it We're going to electronically add horsepower to your vehicle. Yeah. Okay. okay. Like that, that sounds and good. It usually comes in at a fairly decent cost. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you're like, well, okay, this is probably cheaper than a set of rims and tires <laughs> <laughs> for most vehicles. So and you're I get like, to have a better, you know, windshield experience. That's but. right. That's right. So there's a lot of advantages, but with that also come a lot of myths. Yeah. So you and I sat down and we figured out here's like the top five myths or the top five areas really that people get trapped when they're talking about tuning. And, and really, we're going to look at a lot of comparisons between custom tuning and box programmers. I think before we get into that, there's some there's some key phrases yeah. that I think we take for granted, you know, just our line of work in this industry, you know, we just, we know. Um, and the first thing that, you know, I think uh, term-wise that we need to know is box programming. <laughs> and, and box programming is gonna be uh, somewhat of those more entry-level style programmers. They're uh, all-in-one style tune. Um, this is either gonna be something that can potentially install through like the OBD or or potentially have plugins, you know, into the uh, engine management system or in the engine bay. Right. Um, it's really, you know, you just oh, this will be supported for this truck. You order it, you install it, and it picks up a little bit of power. 
That's it. Yeah. 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 I think that's a good way to put it. Um, now, custom tuning opposed to that is going to be for a single truck. It's going to be specific to your VIN. Uh, it's generally going to use different software that a software manufacturer such as EFI Live or HP tuners or some other platforms mm -hmm. will offer. And then a custom tuner shop will actually go through and use that software to build their own calibrations. Mm -hmm. uh, and those calibrations across all platforms are for one truck at a time. And so that's what makes them unique. So it makes them stand out a little bit different. Um, some of the other things I know we're going to be talking about, Chris, is where we install those. So ECM, TCM, PCM. You want to run our listeners and viewers yeah. through that? So, you know, we're talking about those references are the management systems, the computer, if you will. So you have your ECM, which is your engine control module, your TCM, which is your transmission control module, and then a PCM, which is basically an ECM and a TCM together called the powertrain control module. Now, some trucks, if we were to talk about the Duramax lineup, they hold true to that ECM and TCM. They sure. have an engine control module and a trans control module. But then you get into the Cummins, now a couple years are going to be slightly different, like the 07.5 to 09. Other than that, all the other trucks have always had a powertrain control module, a right. PCM, where the engine and trans calibrations are held on a single controller. Yeah, yeah, and it's just the Cummins, right? Just the Cummins. Just the Cummins, yeah. Yeah, so as I think through them, um, you don't have to spend a ton of time with this. Honestly, if you're looking for engine and transmission tuning, our, our advice is that's always going to be better. Right, and I mean the market. I mean, the the market itself. They're going to offer engine and trans tuning. They're not going to break it down well ECM and TCM or PCM. Yeah. Don't get thrown off by that, right? right? If you're ordering engine and trans tuning, that means that you're getting your engine calibrated and the transmission calibrated. Simple enough. Uh, torque management. That's one that I think if you've been around vehicles long yeah. enough, you understand torque management. Yeah. You've gone to floor it, and all of a sudden you don't feel like you have as much power. It's Nothing. a limiter. I think yeah. is the best way I can phrase it. It's generally put in as a factory safety. So it's one of the ways, one of the parameters and computer programs that's built into your, your vehicle, your trucks, um, that limits the amount of torque that's going to come out, given on a lot of different conditions. Yeah. It's mostly to prevent slippage. So they don't want you sliding all over. They right, don't want your course. tires spinning. They don't want the trans braking, things like that. Um, with tuning, custom tuning and box programmer tuning, we're going to impact torque management, mm -hmm. and we're going to need to talk about torque management to kind of finish this conversation. And some of the torque management that you'll see could actually be the limiters in the higher RPM window, where we'll get into this more as this uh, you know uh, video goes on. But you know the the limiter, right? So the truck might make power down low, and like that initial, oh my god, that experience when you hit the throttle is there. But yeah. then the truck's power tapers off really hard. So it's not just the limiter of the management right off the bat. Right. It can happen at any RPM window. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and then probably the last thing is air fuel ratio. So um, certain programmers have the ability. So like a box programmer, let's say they don't potentially have as many parameters to address. Right. So you're going to be in a situation where they might ask or call for more fuel down low to get that added power or uh, response that they're looking for. So they're not able to physically target air fuel ratio. Right. Where custom tuning, I'm able to go in and say, hey, okay, we want the truck to do X, Y, and Z, but we want to be able to maintain a proper air fuel ratio so the truck can burn clean. Now, in the older trucks, this practice really isn't as important as it is in some of the newer platforms platforms that have emissions equipment. So, Right, right, yeah. And air-fuel ratio, I think I when I first started hearing air-fuel ratio around diesel is when emissions equipment started showing that's up. That's when it became a real thing. And that's, real that's all of a sudden everybody cared. Before that, we just said no smoke, right? Oh, it's that was like it's got a gray haze? All right, we're good. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah that's yeah. no smoke. Um, 
But then, then I think we also adopted uh, a, a lot of, like I said, that targeting around emissions equipment. And I think guys who have an easier time with this is guys who come over from the gas world, oh, yeah. where air-fuel ratio is, it, is a so very important. big deal yeah. across the board. That's pretty much one of the most, yeah, that's the staples in gas tuning, right? That is. You can have whatever setup you want, but to know that it's tuned correctly or that you're getting the most out of that is going to be based on maintaining AFR. Right. So. Right. Uh, so here it is, guys, our top five list. I'll kick us off with number one. Uh, Horsepower and torque gains. Now, this Ooh, is that's a big one, Paul. Every yeah. every tuner out there, every programmer out there is going to talk to you about horsepower and torque gains. Uh, there's some differences as we look at them. Number one, just because there's a peak horsepower doesn't mean that's the horsepower you're making all of the time. Right. It also doesn't mean that's the horsepower you need. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you find a tuner custom or or box says it's oh 200 horsepower gains, well, that sounds great. Right. Horsepower comes at a cost, whether that's fuel mileage or reliability, horsepower comes at a cost. Yeah. The <laughs> There's a lot of things that go with that. Yeah. So don't let a peak horsepower number scare you off and don't let it sell you and be the only thing you're tracking. Right. Uh, also keep in mind baselines. So are we baselining what the truck made factory and saying we're adding 20% okay. or okay. we're adding 150 horsepower or whatever it is? Are we baselining what the truck was rated at? From the factory, those two different numbers. Because two very different very numbers. Different numbers. Uh, I know we were. I just talked to one of our tuners over at Duramax Tuner, and they're like, "Hey, you got this truck baselined at 440, but it baselined here at 395." Yep. And I'm like, ah, "That's a tough call, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are we looking at, and how are we getting to that final horsepower number?" Uh, and Chris, I think another one of the big ones out there is guys don't generally know the difference between crank horsepower and rear wheel horsepower. Yeah. There is a big belief that all trucks all the time, any any rated number you see is crank horsepower and that rear wheel horsepower is only measured on the dyno. That's not necessarily true. Um, a lot of the, the published numbers for different trucks and different model years, depending on how the marketing department has rolled those numbers out, we've seen them match dynos. And we've and then seen we've it be seen, within a few horsepower. Yeah, within yeah. a few horsepower. And then all of a sudden, a few years later, you'll see that same brand be 40, 50 horsepower off. Yeah. And you're like, well, is this crank? Is this not? There's a lot of variables. That's the what dyno, this comes down to. There's there's not only the horsepower versus crank, but there's the dyno, the load, the altitude, the temperature, the gear that it was ran in, right? right. So many things come <laughs> into play. But the biggest thing when you talk about horsepower and torque gains is in a control test, what did a baseline? What did you net in growth and yeah. power? And then those are the horsepower gains that you're actually experiencing. Uh, seat of the pants. That's it. So. And and that's that's peak. The other big one that I think comes in to be more of a play for us who who have more experience with custom tuning is usable horsepower. Ooh, I love that one. Applicable horsepower. One. So we were just looking at some dyno graphs this morning yeah. about a 2.8 liter running stock, and at 30 miles an hour, let's just use a random number. It was making 50 horsepower stock. Yeah. But running 30 miles an hour with a tune, all of a sudden you see it making 40 horsepower. Yep. That's a huge jump when that, we're talking about 20, percentage. That's 25%. So like, as we start to see that, it's also like, where does that power come on and how does that window look? Yep. Because you'll see some trucks where they dyno and all of the power is up top. Yep. So it looks like it's stock coming up 30%, 40% power, 50% power, and then, and then all up. of a sudden it ramps up and it jumps way out of bounds. And that's awesome. Some people like how that drives. Yep. 
other people, you're looking for like a toe tune where it's going to bring more torque on low and limit some of that well, peak horsepower. There's also that, you know, you, you talk to guys and they're, you know, there's no secret. We spend a lot of money on these trucks. Yeah. So guys will pour a bunch of money into their truck and they're chasing a dyno number. And let's say that truck makes 700 horsepower on, on someone's tune on someone's dyno. But that truck comes up and down very aggressively. It doesn't actually maintain or you know give that nice umbrella shape, you know, yeah. what you'd want to see on a dynograph, to where you might be able to take that truck and make 650 horsepower, but broaden the power band. That 650 horsepower truck's actually faster yeah. than that 700 horsepower <laughs> truck. So, like you said, it's it's where that power peaks and what is going to be usable power within that power band exactly. really makes the difference. Exactly. Um, so guys, don't always chase a number. The number doesn't necessarily mean a whole heck of a lot. It's, it's not telling you the whole story. It's, it's It's a component. It's something you want to know. It's something we want to tell you, but it's not the whole story. Um, Chris, I think you were going to tackle our next, yeah. our next point so here. So there's a lot of different variables when it comes to installation process. So, you know, we'll, we'll start with some of the, the, the box programmer types. Yeah. You can do a simple OBD2 plugin, right, where you do flash a calibration into the OBD. It's generally like a partial flash because it generally doesn't have the ability to communicate or manipulate the entire operating system. Right. Um, where if you compare that to a custom tune, um, there's a couple of different options options for how the tune gets stored, but ultimately a custom calibration is always going to be loaded into the ECM via the OBD2 port unless you're a couple rare instances like some of the newer Fords where we yeah. have to bench flash. Right. Um, but when we do a custom tune, that is a physical operating system rewrite where the whole ECM is getting rewrote with a file that a custom tuning company developed. Absolutely. Okay? Um, now, when you talk about custom tuning, there's going to be SD modules where the tunes are stored onto an SD card and then inserted into the ECM like through MM3. OBD, like an MM3. Gotcha. Or um, you have Windows-based platforms like EFI Live, where you have a module that loads the file or is the interface to communicate in flashing. Um, probably the most popular these days is cloud-based tuning, something along the lines of like EasyLink, where you're able to take your smartphone that pretty much everyone in this world has, take your phone, wireless connect to a box that plugs into the OBD port and navigate the calibrations and flash accordingly. Yeah. Um, that cloud-based storage is it's, so cool. It's amazing. I love it. it. It's, it's, it's the great future. technology. Yeah. And then you have the other style of a, a box programmer, which I'll consider a modulation box. Okay. And what this is, is it's a separate brain, more or less, um, that is going to... Um, basically interrupt the signal that the ECM is sending to like the injectors. Right. So you're going to actually unplug the factory harness and you're going to piggyback that to a modulation box harness so that that ECM is being interfered signal and then that boxed programmer is going to send its own signal back to the injector. So you are basically making it more complex with a, a web of harnesses. <laughs> um, not to mention you have a third-party brain box controlling what the truck is doing, which ultimately could lead to potential failure prematurely. I mean, this is, I hear Nick's pregnant voice screaming in right. my head about unmetered fuel at this point. Unmetered of like fuel, <laughs> yeah. Like, when you have the modulation style, like, you are literally manipulating the system, so 
the truck doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, if You're we fooling it. if we track back to that like air fuel ratio we were talking about earlier, like yep. this is where it comes this into is play where it comes so in. hard. This is where boost fooling comes in. This is yeah. where the truck is being manipulated fueling, and it's not injecting what it actually thinks it is. Then you get into the great conversation of, well, my truck shows it's getting thirty miles to the gallon. <laughs> uh, no, you know. So there's all these different things that. You know, being that it's a tuner, it, 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 it's a lot more than that. And it does yeah. complicate the process of the truck as a whole. Can you talk a little bit about how e emissions equipment plays its role through, through like future upgrades as we start to move into like future upgrades and we're thinking about what tuner's right for me? Yeah. Because I think, I think the one thing we're skipping over is, is probably cost at this point, right? Of like box programmers in general cost less than custom tuning. Yeah. There are exceptions to that rule and what truck you have, that's gonna vary widely and what tuner you go to, that's gonna vary widely. Right. But do some research, find out, you know, there's there's plenty of resources out there. Um, but I think that's one of the things that draws guys down to that. However, it's really easy to forget that as we talk about check your horsepower numbers, know what your horsepower numbers are about, know what your installation process is about, but also like this big point of what are you gonna do with the truck? Yeah, that's, you know, you become a new uh, enthusiast in this space, right? And you, the, the easy easy to find products are generally those box style programmers. Yeah. They're like household names in the diesel industry, right? <laughs> so you buy that product and then you start to get, you know, you start to realize you're getting bitten by the diesel bug as I like to call it. Yeah. Now this is where things get finicky. Right? Well, then, then you throw a turbo on it and then yep. you realize your trans can't handle the tuner and the turbo <laughs> together, so. And then you find out you need bigger injectors because your buddy said that that's gonna make the bigger turbo spool up. Faster. quicker yeah, yeah there you go yes, that's a good yes. one and that's where you start to really outgrow there's no secret here that a box programmer isn't going to satisfy those initial needs right yeah. there is a time and a place yeah what happens from there though is as you make these other upgrades those box style programmers aren't necessarily specific to those upgrades they're a universal uh, platform that is set up for a stock truck. Right. So when you start adding in intakes in some applications, when you think about a four-inch style intake on a Duramax, a box programmer can't correct that. Done. Right. No. Mass airflow reading is going to be jacked up. It needs a custom calibration, or you throw in a set of 30% over, 50% over, 100% over, or 100 horsepower injectors, whatever that bigger size injector is. What that generally means at that point is if you have the box programmer in the mix and you have a 30% injector, that's 30% more fuel. All the time. All the time. That's, all the time. That's plus, where. Plus whatever the percent increases from your box programmer. Right. Or wiring of, gizmo yeah. is like, it's now. Wiring gizmo. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, it, it's now, it's, you know, three, 30% times X yeah, more. Yeah more fuel, which means we're gonna ruin our air-fuel ratio, which yeah. means if you have a newer truck with emissions equipment, you're gonna have higher regen cycles, yeah. shorter life out of your emissions equipment. Because it's working harder, more that, frequently. That more frequently, yeah. easy, like you're gonna burn them up. <coughs> Excuse me, uh, one of the things to keep in mind is like even the EPA rates DPFs and the emissions equipment of, of a lifespan of 150,000 miles. That's based on normal operation. Yeah. So if you have a box programmer or you have inferior tuning, and you are causing more frequent of regens, yeah. that 150,000 miles needs to get adjusted back right, down, right. like way back down. Uh, so things like that I think are really important to consider. And also, I know a lot of guys when they buy a truck, especially a new truck and they have a payment on it, and there's a warranty with it, they're like, yeah. I'm gonna tune it and I'm not gonna do anything right. else. And then they get a set of wheels and tires and they wanna adjust the tire size. Right. That's not the upgrade we're talking about. Tire, go ahead, adjust the tires. 
what we're talking about is, are you the type of guy who, when the injectors fail, you're going to put stock ones back in it? If your turbo fails, are you the type of guy who's going to put a stock turbo back on it? When your transmission fails, are you going to put stock components back on it? Mm -hmm. If that's who you are and that's who you've always been, eh, maybe you could get away with a box programmer. Maybe, maybe. Um, you spent enough money to buy the diesel, probably should get it, get it some good tuning, but that's get just my opinion. Tailored to it. Right? Um, but, but there is that side that's like, you also have to know who you are and what might happen, yeah. right? And plan for that. That's a part of what I think looking at future upgrades are. Well, I think you know, that kind of ties us into the next segment, right? Where we talk about vehicle specific. You bought a specific vehicle, right? You you spent the extra money for a diesel, um, whether you know you're cross country traveling the camper with the kids and the family, uh, recreationally towing a boat or four wheeler, whatever the sure. case may be. Parking you bought the, crawling, whatever you bought it the is. diesel for a purpose. Um, <laughs> In the programming that is offered, you know, there is a specific purpose and uh, they're, they're specifically going to support a vehicle, I guess is the best way to put it. So you have box programming, for example. You buy that box programmer, that's going to work on an array of vehicles, depending yeah. on the application. There's some programmers that you could purchase that will support 2001 all the way up to a 2010 Duramax. Sure. Or you could buy a tuner that will support Cummins from 2003 all the way to 2018. Yeah. That's a wide range of support for a vehicle that I could literally plug it into an 07 Cummins out in the lot and then unplug it and then plug it into my 15. Which almost makes me think, how many calibration changes could they be doing if they could fit all of that memory on there to support all of those different vehicles? And like, we know vehicles, like just because you and your buddy have a 2007 Cummins, yep. doesn't mean they're gonna run the same operating nope. system. It doesn't mean they have the same options. It nope. doesn't mean like, tunes could be very different to get the same result out of your two vehicles. Very minimal changes to support a wide range of vehicles. Unfortunately, that's, right? That's the reality. And I think that, you know, some of that is going to tie into the next topic that we're going to have, but there's also licensing and credits. Right. Right. And this is generally where a big confusion comes in <laughs> in the custom tuning space is well, I see the module, right? An AutoCal or yeah. an MPVI or an auto agent. Um, and I see the cost of the tuning, but what's these credits? Why am I paying X amount of money for credits? Yeah. Well, unfortunately, when you're buying a custom tune, you're not just buying one package from one company. You're generally buying, like you mentioned earlier, um, for example, a calibrated power tune. That's our intellectual property. We are indeed that. That's our development. But we just so happen to support it on EFI Live, so that's yeah. EFI Live's hardware, and EFI Live needs their taste in tuning that truck, and that's where the licensing credits so a lot, come in. A lot of these companies have this model of business where it's free to use their software, yeah. it's free to work with R&D on them, uh, it's, a lot of their stuff is free, and the, their cost of hardware is very low. Yeah. Three to four hundred bucks, three yeah. to five hundred bucks for hardware, it's cheap, I mean, in the grand scheme of things. And it's a diagnostic tool in the mix as well. Yeah, it's it, not it, just all of these tool. other, all of these, yeah, data logging, and, and, and the software is wildly advanced, oh, and now access into ECMs is wildly expensive and takes ton of R&D time. Right. All of that's free. What what or, or very low cost, but really cost you where they make their money is every time you flash a truck, you have to pay them a fee. Yep. And that's either like with EFI Live, it's a license. With HP Tuners, it's a credit. With EasyLink, it's tokens. Right. Everybody has their own little nomenclature for it. Uh, but essentially, we have to always pay these tuning software and hardware companies, they get their taste on every tune. And once that one truck is flashed with that piece of hardware, you don't have to constantly pay a fee to flash that vehicle again. Right. You know, you could flash that vehicle once it's married as many times as you want. Um, 
but to do another vehicle, there's going to be the cost of a tune and then uh, the cost of a license. And this is where box programmers have that advantage, yeah. that if you, I don't know, if you and all of your buddies all have the exact same needs and you find a tuner, a box programmer that supports all of them, uh, and you want to go and tune one and then return it to stock and tune the next one and return yeah. it to stock and tune the next one. You wouldn't be able to usually tune them all can do at that. the same time. You can't time, have them all tuned at the same time, but right? you could use that same box to flash, flash, flash. Yeah. Right. So you all could experience it. Um, I don't see a lot of places where this is wildly helpful to somebody. <laughs> it's, I think the idea of like, oh, I trade in my truck every three years and right. I might get something different. Right. Therefore, I want a tuner that might Potentially work. support, right. But, but you don't have a guarantee that it's going to support the new truck, by right. the way. So, so there's... There's holes in it, right? But but it is one of those things that comes up that I think people get confused about, that there's a lot of misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, now, the last one is a big one, and, and I think probably the biggest one. Groups it all in. Groups everything is, together. Is we're really talking about drivability. And this is the difference between the two. That's right. Yeah, right. between a box programmer, between custom tuning. Uh, nowadays, I will say we have seen <clears throat> some of the best drivability out of a box programmer that I've ever seen. That being said, I think... 10 years ago where custom tuning was at for drivability is probably where box programmers are at today. Right. And we've uh, also had 10 more years of, you know. Right, right, which just pushes custom tuning 10 years right. in, into that advancement still, uh, where you're gonna get smoother shifting. You're gonna get generally uh, a more steady throttle or, or like a linear throttle curve, I think is what we usually would say. Yeah. Quieter engine operations, better EGT management. It's gonna be a big deal for anybody towing. Yeah. Um, a lot of the box programmers do have switch on the fly. That is becoming um, more and more that, of a that thing. A lot of them have multiple tunes that you could you could flip between. <coughs> excuse me. How much of those are power level changes? How much of those are tune changes? I think that varies depending on the brand and the vehicle we're talking about. Uh, but it, it's drivability is that it's that windshield experience. Yeah. It's that how do I feel every time I get in and out of the truck? How does this impact me in my day to day life? And that's that's where I think it's really hard to consider custom tuning and not not make that choice. Well, and I, again, it kind of falls back to what we were talking about before where you're a new diesel enthusiast and you buy a box programmer. Yeah. And, you know, we get these calls all the time <laughs> or, you know, Facebook messages where, hey, I have a truck and I'm seeing hot EGTs when I'm, you know, at a couple thousand feet elevation going up a grade. I want to buy a turbo to combat that, right? Well, yeah. a turbo so isn't going to necessarily <laughs> fix that. It's only going to probably make things worse. Like, it's the programming. So... When you look at a box programmer, they're always going to talk about that throttle sensitivity, like you mentioned, not throttle uh, linearity, if you right, will. We're yeah. talking about throttle touchiness. I love throttle so, boosters. You know, yeah, that's that initial 20, 30%. It makes the truck feel like you're really pressing the throttle 40, 50%. And then once you get past 50, 60%, there's just nothing left. Um, or, you know, the, the truck doesn't have the ability to manage its own EGT because it, it can't meter the fuel that it's yeah that it's so all of the numbers are skewed because they're so all calculated you have these things where where the custom tune comes in is you're able to get the truck like you said to, to, to shift nicer because there's trans support yeah or you're able to control the the metering of the fuel so you're able to make the idle more stable and control how much fuel is being ingested into the engine to or injected into the engine to help with you know, uh, maintaining that power band, quieting up the engine's operation. Right. But the biggest, biggest thing here is the emissions equipment and operations. 100%. That's where, that's where like, even when we think about, like I said, the best box programmers out today for the newest vehicles out today, yep. they might make power. You might be okay with their drivability. Yep. You might say, hey, it's no worse than stock. Um, but what you're also likely going to say is, 
my truck goes into regen more frequently, more frequently. and if I were to tear the EGRs apart in like a perfect lab conditions, I would expect to see a different yeah. result from the box programmer than I would from the same horsepower out of a custom tuner. Oh, yeah. And that's where that's where that emissions equipment comes in to be such a big play when we're talking about box programmers is what are they doing? What are they capable of? Yes, you're gonna get some good results out of them and that's great. And if that works for you, yeah. it's sold. But there's more things to consider. I would say as a new diesel truck enthusiast or someone who's been around this a long time, right? Mm -hmm. The best thing to take away from this is if you plan on never modifying the truck and you just want a little get up and go, a box programmer would probably work. Yeah. Would probably work. Especially pre-emissions vehicles. Right, especially pre-emissions. Yeah. But if you have a newer emissions truck or you have a, a truck that you plan on, you know, you can't leave anything alone like myself, <laughs> don't spend the money twice. Do the research. Yeah. Do the research. Understand what you think your long-term goal is going to be and then invest in it accordingly. Because at the grand, you know, grand scheme of things, you don't want to spend money twice. That's... It feels unavoidable, but yes, right. <laughs> you don't want to. <laughs> I say it all day and I do the same thing, right? We're all there. We're all there. Well, hey guys, um, I hope this helps sum up some of the, the top five tuning myths that we see or we deal with out there on a regular basis. If you've got ideas for the show, please share them with us. Jump on over to Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group or shoot us a message uh, on YouTube or anywhere else that you can contact us. Uh, stick around. Uh, we are going to have more Diesel Performance Podcasts coming at you in just a minute. All right, guys, here we are with industry news. Anthony, how are you, man? Good, man. How are you? You know, I'm excited. I like you to, you know, I like to be filled in on everything that we got going on, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. Inform on a little uh, news or information? Yeah, a little something something. What do we got going on this week? So today we have the 22 Roxor. Okay. There have been some videos, pictures, media. Okay. All the good stuff has been released for okay. the new unit. For our listeners. What is a Roxor? What the hell's a Roxor? <laughs> so we've done, uh, we have a lot of parts right now for them. Okay. A uh, little bit of background. It looks like a Jeep. It's got a 2.5 liter uh, turbocharged diesel motor. Common rail motor. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I mean, right up our alley. It's, I mean, it's, you, you take a Jeep, you change the power plant, and you know, there's some other stuff to it. But there's, I mean, it's an off-road vehicle. Yeah. There's a lot of support. I, I get a lot of calls of guys on ranches, things yeah. like that. They have like toys, you yeah. know, so they don't have to get a tractor or a big truck out okay. in the field. They use it for a little bit of everything. So the Roxor is made by a company called Mahindra. Uh, Mahindra is from India, is an origin. Yep. Um, they are really big in farm equipment and tractors and things like that, which are pretty unique. Um, and they came to market in 18 with this, you know, Jeep looking, you know, Jeep Wrangler looking yeah. thing, right? Um, and in the, in this world, it's kind of, I would consider it like a side-by-side -side is what it is. Same market space for same, sure. Same market space. A lot of those same companies that sell, you know, your Can-Ams and your Razors and stuff like that are the ones that are selling these things. And uh, us over at Calibrated, we found an opportunity to be like, huh, we could stick a bigger turbo in this, huh? We can do tuning and do switch on the fly right. and intercooler kits and stuff. So it's been a big staple of what we do over at Calibrated for some time. And uh, like everything else with COVID, it was kind of like a, a slowdown, I yeah. guess you would say, things, in manufacturing. Things definitely changed for, you know? for, I mean, not only for us, but for them as well. I mean, they had their slowdowns for manufacturing. Mm -hmm. um, just to touch on also what you're talking about. I mean, we had our stock. We were playing around with it. Yeah. Started with figuring out how to tune it. Now we've got intercooler kits, turbochargers. Yeah. I mean, we have aftermarket like bumpers, lift kits, things yeah. like that. So things have really taken off, mm -hmm. I should say. Now, 
I haven't seen any photos of them just yet, and like they literally look like an old like '60s style, '50s style Jeep. Um, do they still have that same type of aesthetics, or is the new 2022 changed up and revamped? They changed it up a little bit. Okay. You can still get the idea of what it is. <laughs> okay. I saw a couple of reviews. I mean, it definitely looks different. They okay. changed the front fascia, which I know they're having some issues in terms of legality, things like right, that. Right, with Jeep, with yeah, Chrysler, right? Exactly. So, I mean, they've been going back and forth with the new front end design. They're hoping to get away from all that stuff. And from what I've read, they should be in the clear. Cool. A couple of people have said it looks like a Jeep in the Witness Protection Program. Oh, wow. Yeah, or uh, <laughs> Sid from Ice Age. That's, that's what I've seen guys talk about. Oh, well. my God. Okay. So, I'm mean, going to have to pull those cool. things up. Pull they them still up. look cool. But, Sid uh, from Ice Age doesn't look cool. No, I mean, <laughs> funny. But uh, they still, I mean, they, have, they share the same power plant. They change the front end. Okay. I mean, these things got options out the wazoo. You can put, yeah. you can put you tracks. Put tracks. On it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's yeah. 15 grand I know. for tracks on those things. It, it's nasty. We were just talking about, you know, you said that the, the, before we started on this that the base price was going up a little bit. You know, they started off around 15000 16000 And it's not a lot of money. When you think about, you know, you can get an automatic or a manual, a two and a half liter diesel, you know, uh, you can't plate them. There's some states that you can plate them, but like, you know, it's not really an on-road vehicle. You got to work around it quite a bit. There, it, it's, yeah. it's a workaround to say the least. Um, you know, to, so to start off at, you know, uh, the new price tag of around eighteen, nineteen thousand dollars $19,000 is not crazy, but you could deck these things out and make them 40 grand. You know, you could do a full enclosure and four tracks for being on snow, like, you can really retrofit these things to do a lot of cool stuff. Factory lift kits, light bars. Uh, I mean, they, you can tell we talked about the tracks as well. Yeah. Side steps, bumpers, like anything that's in the aftermarket. Like it's like the Jeep owners. They know like the amount of aftermarket components you can yeah. have is miles long, and the oh, same yeah. thing goes for these as well. I mean, uh, over what we do, you know, bumpers, side steps, you know, all the things, right? Mm -hmm. you, there's guys that do not leave any of these things alone. I don't think I've seen a stock one <laughs> that, is, that has come through. I had a guy who bought a red, white, and blue one. Okay. Two and all three of them about a year ago. Oh wow! Yeah, oh, he's a big fan of American. Yeah, yeah right? right. But uh, no, I mean that's the new redesign. Um, they, it shares the same power plant. Yeah. I've only seen advertised on the five-speed. I haven't seen anything really? about an automatic. Yeah. Wow. Um, so we'll see again teaser videos, pictures, things like that. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. But again, like uh, we were saying, 18k in the base price. They have an all-weather enclosure with like a factory defrost, all that stuff. Really? That's factory new. Defrost. That's that new. new. They didn't have that before. That's going to put you around 26, 27,000. Ooh. So getting up there, but they got Pull more out the features. Pull the pocketbook. Pull out the pocketbook. Right. So they have the enclosure. Right? Would they have like uh, windshield wipers this time yeah. around? Wipers. Okay. The, the, I think the defrost is huge, especially for like we've sold some of these out west. I should say like why. Wyoming, you've been through Wyoming, it, there's nothing there in some spots, yeah. especially you get in the wintertime, it's cold, like that heat and the frost is going to be, interesting. it's going to be nice. Interesting. But uh, I see that's really all I got for today. Okay. Well, we appreciate it. Guys, if you haven't looked it up, look up the Mahindra Rock Store online. Um, I would say that, uh, you know, if they're ramping up, you know, their, their, their launch on this, you know, at one point you were able to find the old Mahindra rocks or pretty much at any, you know, UTV style, you know, store, right? Yeah. Any, any outlet for that. So, you know, they're going to make it a comeback. They're a really cool, you know, piece of equipment to play around with. They're fun for sure. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. All right, guys, now it's time for one of my favorite segments of the show where we're going to talk to our remote support expert, Sean Lynn. Sean, how the hell are you? Great. How are you, Paul? I'm doing good. Um, Sean, why don't you give our quick, our, our, sorry, Justin, let's start from starting <clears throat> over. All right, guys, and now it's time for our remote support expert segment. Uh, this is where we're going to bring on Sean Lynn. Uh, Sean, you're going to come on. You're going to tell us a little bit about 
a specific problem that you've dealt with, kind of help just share some of your expertise about remotely helping people diagnose diesel performance issues. How the hell are you? Great, how are you, Paul? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, how do you feel about the new video format? Oh, it's fine. I mean, I'll get used to it eventually, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're joining us on YouTube, uh, Yes, uh, we are we are cranking away here, making some small adjustments as we work through the show. Again, any feedback you have about that, jump on over to Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group. Let us know what you think. We're always happy to hear your feedback. But today, Sean, you are going to tell us about a truck, and we're going to walk through some diagnostics. What's the truck? Uh, this truck is a 2004 LLY. 2004 LLY. I have said a few things about LLYs on this show throughout the years. Most of them, not good. Uh, and that's because of the frustration that I personally have felt also having to do the things you do with troubleshooting the truck. So I know there's a whole whole host of potential issues out there. What was the problem that the customer first came to you with? Um, so this happens from time to time. <clears throat> the truck itself has a lot of uh, electronics that could potentially cause communication. And the problem was that he kept trying to load the tune and he was getting a 0333 code. Dollar sign zero three three three. Um, now that's while he's trying to flash, right? So he's got an autocal. He's plugged into the OBD two port. He's going through all the steps <clears throat> to try to flash it, and he keeps getting this this error code. What does that error code mean? So that means uh, security access denied, and it's not really what that means, but it just means that the communication is being blocked somehow between your device and the ECM itself or the TCM. Very common issue from what I remember. How often are you still dealing with this? When does it come up the most? This will happen on, I would say, probably half of the trucks out there that we deal with. Oh, really? Some of them flash perfect, even with aftermarket electronics and stuff, and others just will not go, and it's pretty common. Okay, okay, gotcha. Now, half of like the LLYs or half of the LB7 LLYs, half of just all trucks? LB7 LLY specifically. LBZs I've never had a problem with. Yeah, same here, same here. Okay, um, all right, so so it comes up. Uh, it mostly happens on the older trucks out there. Uh, Duramaxes, I don't think we run into a lot of this on Cummins. I don't remember ever hitting this on a Cummins unless it was like the VIN was wrong in the, in the tune file. The only time I've ever seen that on a Cummins was basically we had to remove the, the lift pump relay. Okay. I've only seen that happen like twice in the time I've been here. Gotcha. So. Gotcha. All right. Not that common on the Cummins, <clears throat> older Duramaxes. That's probably going to be the guys who are dealing with this the most. Walk us, walk us through your diagnostics for this. Yeah. So the first thing I would have to do is uh, ask if your device has been updated. Because the first thing that we want to do when we send out a new tune update is make sure that your device is updated because if it's not, then that's gonna cause issues right there. Gotcha. By itself. Okay, and that's like a, an AutoCal or a V3 or a V2, it'd be any of those, or a Spade, they're all pretty similar. So any of the EFI Live hardware, this would be our first step. Yep. Okay, cool, what's next? Um, after asking about the device being updated, um, basically I would need to know what steps did you follow to get this uh, code to come up? Are we going to program full? Are we going to program calibration? Are we doing a trans tune, an engine tune? I just need a little bit more info. That's an interesting one because I, I like the idea that like, listen, we know this code, this code comes up a lot, but we don't wanna jump the gun, right? We wanna take our time and kind of understand, give me the whole problem, let's hear the whole scenario, and then you can kind of help diagnose further from there. Okay, uh, let's assume that they walked through, they did do tune, they, they had updated their device, um, 
and that they had actually gone through and used program full and followed the steps correctly, what would you do next? Um, beyond that, whenever somebody has an issue flashing their LLY or LB7, at that point I would have them pull a number of fuses under the hood, which is very common in what we do here on a weekly basis, or daily basis for that matter. <laughs> and then as well as uh, hooking up a battery charger, because if the voltage drops too low at the ECM, it could potentially cause an issue as well. Do guys ever go and check their battery and come back and they're like, hey, it's good, it's 12 volts? Yeah, they're like, oh, I just replaced these batteries. Well, that's not the point. The point is the voltage drop. Right, right, yeah. So that, that's an easy one. It's easy to overlook. Uh, and I know 90% of the vehicles I've ever installed a tune-on, I did not have a battery tender or battery cable hooked up to it. I just went out and flashed it and it worked. But I'll tell you what, the first time you have that problem will be the last time you don't hook up a battery tender. Uh, so that's like, that's just one of those, it's easy, it's quick. Now the fuses, um, wh why are you pulling the fuses? So to try to combat the uh, voltage drop and as well as communication errors, we pull fuses on some key components. Okay. Just so that there is less uh, traffic in those data lines. So we have a better chance of flashing it without an issue. That's such a cool way to do it. I like that idea. All right. Um, okay. So I've pulled my fuses. I've hooked up my battery. What should I do next? Um, beyond that, um, we can either do the, uh, the flash with the handheld device itself or we can actually do a pass-through flash, and there's additional ways and strategies we can use in order to accomplish that. Um, pass-through flashing is my personal choice because then I don't have to copy files to and from the device. You have your computer's entire library at your disposal. Okay, so pass-through flash is where we take a laptop out to the vehicle, we hook the laptop up to our EFI Live hardware and the EFI Live hardware up to the uh, truck and now we are going to use the laptop interface and not the actual hardware interface so it's passing through that device directly to your ECM and I'm right there with you because you can you can opt for you can choose the options of try alt keys which is try additional unlock strategies try alternate keys for unlocking um, I know we had talked about this one previously I always turn off high-speed flashing you said you've only seen it help one time <clears throat> the only time I ever actually had to turn off high-speed flashing was on an LB7 that crashed. It kept crashing again and again yeah. with high-speed turned on, and I was able to turn that setting off. And it took twice as long, but it still was able to flash it. So okay. it worked for me in that instance. Sean, I think that's a really good place to leave off here. Uh, before we go, any additional advice you'd like to share with our audience? Yeah, um, so the only time you ever really need to update your device is if we send out a tune update. Otherwise, I mean, if you have the same files on the same firmware, you pretty much are good to go. Leave it alone. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So if you've just been sitting around with your custom tune for the last, you know, three years, and you're like, wow, I wonder if there's an update, don't go update your EFI Live device. That'll just cause problems when you're flashing. So the only time you need to update your device is if you have actually recently just been sent a tune update. That's good stuff, man. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sean. Thanks for having me, Paul. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. Take two, Paul. <laughs>